Hello, faithful listener. You have tuned in to the Bible Explained podcast, where the Bible gets explained. So stay tuned as we read through the book of Luke. Faithful listeners, howdy and good morning. Thanks for tuning in to the Bible Explained podcast on this lovely, lovely Tuesday morning. And today we're going to talk about Luke chapter 10. We're moving into a new chapter of Luke. So this will be fun. This is talking about the 70 disciples. So let's see what uh, Luke has to say about this. Verses 1 all the way down through verse 16. Let's talk about that today. And I'll be reading out of the W.E.B. So make sure to grab your Bible, your cup of coffee, or your cup of tea, and let's jump right in. Now after these things, the Lord also appointed 70 others and sent them two by two ahead of him into every city and place where he was about to come. Then he said to them, the harvest is indeed plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray therefore to the Lord of the harvest that he may send out laborers into his harvest. Go your ways. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Carry no purse, nor wallet, nor sandals. Greet no one on the way. Into whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. If a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in that same house, eating and drinking the things they give, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Don't go from house to house. Into whatever city you enter, and they receive you, eat the things that are set before you. Heal the sick who are there, and tell them, God's kingdom has come near to you. But into whatever city you enter, and they don't receive you, Go out into its streets and say, even the dust from your city that clings to us, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that God's kingdom has come near to you. I tell you, it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works had been done in Tyre and Sidon, which were done in you, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the judgment than for you, you Capernaum, who are exalted to the heaven. You will be brought down to Hades. Whoever listens to you listens to me, and whoever rejects you rejects me. Whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. Now we see that Jesus is focusing in on his other disciples, because you remember, he had more than 12 disciples. He had lots and lots of disciples, but he had, a, you know, a plenty of people that were following him. So at this point, he was focusing mainly on his 12 disciples or the apostles, the leaders of all the disciples. But now he's focusing in on his 70 other disciples that he has, the workers. In fact, that's what he calls them. He calls them the workers or the laborers in verse 2. So they're more of the, you know, the laborers, I guess. And then the apostles would be the leaders, I suppose, of the laborers. So that was the two different people Jesus put into place to make sure that the church and God's word would continue to be spread after Jesus goes back into heaven. His 70 disciples are going out to preach God's word. We saw that Jesus had already sent his 12 disciples to go ahead, and I think they were back. I think his 12 disciples came back by this point, or maybe this is the same point in time. I don't know. It could be a a little bit mixed up, but I I guess not, because it does say in verse 1, now after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others. So it sounds to me like Luke was speaking in chronological order. So he gives them some instructions before they go out. And the first thing that he says is that the harvest is indeed plentiful, but the laborers are few. 
Pray therefore to the Lord of the harvest that he may send out laborers into his harvest. Holy cow, that verse hits me so, so close to home. The harvest is indeed plentiful, but the laborers are few. There are so many churches right now in desperate need of workers because the harvest is indeed plentiful. There are tons and tons of people out there that need to hear God's words, but there aren't any laborers to do the work. So there's not enough people to go out and to do it. And for me, my church is very much struggling to find people to come in and to do volunteer work. We're just struggling. So honestly, um, I could use some prayers if I'm being 100% vulnerable. Something I'm very nervous about is the fact that we have so few musicians at my church. And so I'm going to be taking more of a leadership responsibility with the worship team in the next coming weeks. In fact, I, uh, I lead worship this week, this Sunday. But I'm concerned because we have so few musicians in my church. I understand the struggle that many churches go through where there aren't enough laborers to do the work. And Jesus says it straight out. There's not enough laborers. So pray to God that he brings people to your church so that your church can continue to function the way it's been functioning. We need to be praying for this stuff. We need to be praying for our churches that they find people to continue to do the work. Because otherwise, if there's no people willing to do it, then the church is going to collapse. There has to be willing volunteers to go out and to do some of this stuff. COVID did a huge number on the churches, so we definitely need to be praying for the churches that they continue to stand strong and that people are willing to do the work. So Jesus says that, and then he says, go your ways. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. That's an analogy, obviously. Wolves like to eat lambs. And he's saying that his disciples here are similar to lambs going out among the wolves. But yet, even though Jesus says that's what, what's going to be happening, he says, carry no purse, nor wallet, nor sandals. Greet no one on the way. He's, he's telling his disciples, <laughs> he's saying, look, you're going out as, as lambs, but don't take any security with you. Don't take a wallet. Don't take a coat. Don't take extra pair of sandals. Don't do any of that. Just go your way. Rely on God to take care of you. And a lot of times, that is what we have to do in life. A lot of times, God is just t telling us to take a leap of faith into something that seems very, very scary. But it's worth it in the end when we really do take that leap of faith and just do it. It's so worth it in the end because God obviously knows what he's doing. And if he calls you into something, he's going to take care of you through that thing. Like that's just truly what I believe. I believe if God calls you to do something, as scary as it sounds, he's going to protect you through it because he called you to it. Why wouldn't he protect you through something that he calls you to? So whoever is out there listening to this that is uh, on the verge of a leap of faith, I recommend that you pray about it and think about it and listen to what God is calling you to do. So he says, carry no purse nor wallet nor sandals and greet no one on the way so they're not supposed to 
you know, greet people and stay in a bunch of random houses on the way. They're just supposed to go straight to the city that Jesus is calling them to. But once they get into that city, they're supposed to enter the first house that invites them in and stay there until they leave the city. They're not supposed to go from house to house to house to house. They're supposed to stay in one house that is willing to have them. Now, why Jesus did this, and and I described this back with his uh, 12 apostles, when he said the same thing to his 12 apostles, I said, I'm not actually sure why Jesus said to not stay in many different houses. He never really gave an explanation of that. But if I took an educated guess on that one, I would just say that God knew what family would need those disciples staying there for healing of the family, for ministering to that family. Like, I don't know. I I would just guess it has more to do with the faith aspect that that family in their generosity, even though they might not have known that they're taking in a disciple, they're going to be blessed by that disciple. And actually, that is kind of what Jesus says. He says, if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. So the disciple is supposed to enter in the house and say, peace be to this house. And so if the family who lives in that house is willing to accept that disciple and accept the things that that disciple says, in other words, not turn him out when the family finds out that he's a Jesus follower, but rather listen, Jesus says that the peace is going to rest on that house. So that means that house is going to be blessed because of the disciple that is staying there. That's probably the reason why the disciple stayed in one house was to bless that family. And of course, God would know where that disciple was going to stay. But Jesus says, if that family is unwilling to have you, once they find out that you're a Jesus follower and they kick you out, then that peace is going to return back to you. The house is no longer going to be blessed with that peace. In fact, the entire city won't be blessed. (laughs) Is what Jesus goes on to say. But anyway, it says that... um, If not, it will return to you, but remain in that same house, eating and drinking the things they give you. For the laborer is worthy of his wages. Don't go from house to house. So this is the famous verse where, you know, people who do ministry are worthy of wages. They are doing a good work. They are laborers for God. And they are absolutely worthy of wages. And it's very sad to hear that pastors make so little money. I I know some pastors that have to have a second job to survive because the the church that they are at does not pay them enough or does not pay them very well or just doesn't have the money to pay them at all. So those pastors have to go out and do supplemental income in order to take care of their families. It's very clear in scripture that pastors should be paid. It's very clear that a pastor is doing a good work. They are creating the church, especially if they're a good pastor. I should say if they're a good pastor, (laughs) there's plenty of pastors out there that are not good. And unfortunately, those are the millionaire ones. Not always, but a lot of times I shouldn't have said that. But yeah, but a lot of times the um, the little church on your street corner the pastor that's at that church is probably not getting paid very much. In fact, he's probably not getting paid enough to have his family or even himself, if he's a single guy, 
live on that income, which really is quite sad. And I was watching um, something that Dave Ramsey said recently. I don't know if you guys like Dave Ramsey or not, but Dave Ramsey was like doing a um, a like seminar or whatever, and I was listening to it. And he was saying that pastors and youth pastors, a lot of them qualify for welfare. Youth pastors in particular qualify more often than not for welfare because they get paid so little. Like, man, those youth pastors, they're teaching youth scripture. They are speaking to the youth, the next generation of people. And yet they get paid so little that they are most of the time able to go on welfare. So it's kind of sad. But what Jesus says here is that shouldn't be the case. The worker is worthy of his wages. The worker that is going out and being the laborer, being the person that spreads the gospel to other people, being the person that builds the church is worthy of his wages. So he says, eat what they give you. Don't try to give away your services. Eat what they give you because you are worthy of those wages. And I know that's the other issue in ministry. How do you balance giving stuff away for free? Because that's a a huge aspect of ministry is giving stuff. Like, for example, I do this podcast for free. How do you balance giving something for free, but also taking income? And that's something that is uh, often talked about. And that's something that I struggle with as well. And not just ministries, but any small business often uh, has that question. Like, how do like how do you balance that particular aspect of stuff? But anyway, Jesus does say that the laborer is worthy of his wages. So then he says, into whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat the things that are set before you. That what's cool about that verse is if Jesus is sending these Israelite men into Gentile regions, which he may have well have been. I don't know if he he did or not, but it's possible that many of these Israelites did go to Gentile regions during this. Jesus tells them to break the Jewish diet, possibly. He says, eat the things that are set before you. Don't be picky. Don't try to hold on to that Judaism. Don't try to hold on to that legalism. Eat the things that are set before you. Isn't that interesting that Jesus tells his disciples to do that? Like that's that's the first um, clue here that the Old Testament law was being fulfilled, that the disciples could go out and eat things that possibly were not necessarily in the Jewish law. Then he says in verse nine, heal the sick that are there and tell them God's kingdom has come near to you. So preach the gospel and heal the sick is what he tells them. But if they decide that they don't like you, they're sick of hearing you, they don't want to hear the message, and they kick you out, Jesus says, shake the dust off your clothes of that city. Shake it off is what he says. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. Okay. It says, shake off the dust on your clothes. And he says, I tell you, it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. So when the judgment seat comes, Sodom and Gomorrah, which we talked about a long time ago, back in Genesis, about the evils of Sodom and Gomorrah and how that city ended up getting destroyed. God destroyed that city because it was so violent. It was so violent that God destroyed the city of Sodom. But Jesus is saying that if they choose not to accept you and the message 
it's going to be more tolerable for Sodom in the judgment day. Then Jesus goes on to talk about three different uh, cities here, Chorazin, Bethsaida, and then uh, Capernaum. And he talks about the evil of these cities and how, you know, Capernaum specifically, everybody praises it like, oh, what a holy city, Capernaum. But Jesus says it's going to be brought down to Hades. That's a harsh, harsh saying. But the fact is, was that Capernaum did not accept Jesus, or at least much of it did not. It did not accept what Jesus had to say. And same with Chorazin and Bethsaida. Because many miracles that, you know, Jesus must have been in those cities a lot because many miracles were done there is what he says. But he says that evil Tyre and Sidon that that was destroyed hundreds of years before this, you know, evil Tyre and Sidon is going to be better for Tyre and Sidon in judgment day than it is for these Jewish cities like Capernaum and Bethsaida because they did not accept Jesus's words. And he says here to conclude to his disciples, whoever listens to you listens to me and whoever rejects you rejects me and whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. So anybody that does not believe in Jesus and does not choose Jesus and rejects Jesus and rejects Jesus's words, they're not just rejecting Jesus. They're rejecting God, God, the father they are rejecting because Jesus is the way to the Father. He is the bridge to God. So you can't reject the bridge because you're never going to be able to get to God if you reject the bridge to God. Well, guys, sorry for getting kind of preachy in this episode. I know I did. <laughs> I did specifically with um, with the uh, pastors and uh, the youth pastors. But it's a topic that weighs heavy on my heart. It really does. Because I, I've seen a lot of churches struggling over the past uh, couple years with COVID. I've, I've just seen it. And it's not just my church either. I've seen plenty of churches that are struggling through this issue. So it, it is something that uh, is kind of a hot button topic for me personally. And uh, I enjoy talking about it because I'm very passionate about uh, volunteering at the church. I'm very passionate about serving because I know what it did for me. I know the change I went through when I started actually serving at my church. It was like night and day. And so I'm, I'm just so passionate about that. And I know how healthy it is that uh, sometimes I spew it on everybody who is listening. <laughs> so forgive me for that. But if this episode did convict you, tell people about it. Share it on your social media platforms and just let people know that the Bible Explained podcast exists. But friends and faithful listeners, I'm just so thankful that you decided to tune in this morning. And I hope that you are blessed for the rest of the day. Happy listening and God bless. Oh,